Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host. It's your girl, Shanice, coming back at you with another podcast. We are on episode 173 today. Today's topic is Fear City, New York versus the Mafia documentary that I have been talking about we were going to do for the longest. Uh, Before we get into the show, I do want to apologize. I have not recorded since May 24th, so it's been almost two and a half weeks. I didn't plan on taking that much of a long break off. I knew it might have been a couple days because I went out of town for the holiday. Then when I got back in, it's just been a lot. (laughs) I've been trying to get the book edited and just stuff has been all over the place. I meant to come on last weekend and do this doc and I was going to do it in sections and then I thought about it I'm like why not do the whole thing so this will be a little lengthy because I'm going to break down and we'll discuss all four episodes y'all know I love me a good documentary and this is one I have been wanting to do for a while it's on Netflix and it's titled Fear City New York vs. the Mafia um the reason why I wanted to do the doc first, first, I love docs. And then um, while we're on our little power universe break until August 14th, because they did drop that trailer for Raising Canaan. So I'll play that for you at the end if you guys want to hear that, because I can't wait, you know what I'm saying, for our power book Sunday recaps, you know what I'm saying? But from now on, we're going to, I'm going to be back on a regular schedule of every Friday and Sunday. I'm getting this out today. Tomorrow I have um, an episode where we're going to talk some music and I'll drop that on, you know, this tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to do a movie documentary recap, which is good fellas, because we're going to, you know, we did the narcos that talked about the cartels for a while. So now let's move over to um, La Casa Nostra, talk about the mob and the mafia into power comeback. So we'll discuss everything mob related on uh, Sundays and possibly Fridays as well and you know getting some music talks as well but yeah power does return um, they have not dropped the release date yet for a cruise summer I'm waiting for that and then we're gonna do our cruise summer recaps and you know as our shows come back we'll get to doing that um, they did cancel one of our shows we recap Queens um, they canceled that after the first season um, so we will no longer be reviewing Queens because they have canceled that. Um, let me see. Let me see. I think that's pretty much it. And I was meaning to come on earlier this week and I uh, got some some news and it just kind of had my mind all over the place. So I'm back. I'm back. I missed you guys. I hope you guys missed me too. Uh, never forget, you can always hit me up if you have recap requests. If you just want to say what's up, Facebook is Alicia Shanice Reviews. Insta- I mean, no, Facebook is Alicia Shanice. Instagram is Alicia Shanice Reviews. And you can email me at Alicia Shanice Reviews 13 at gmail.com. And you can follow those music playlists. They are all on Spotify. Um, I just copped a new book for all of... Um, my listeners who love to read books, y'all know I love to read books. I'm writing a book. That's why my time has been so busy as well. I'm uh, in the process of editing it right now. Y'all know I started it two years ago. And before I actually send it off to a development editor um, to get that you know, professionally done before it get published, I'm going over reading it, changing things up that I might have overrode or things that maybe need to be added more in detail so that's what I've really been doing a lot every day so that's taking me a lot of time I still have a lot more to go so I'm not trying to rush myself for that because y'all know my book is my baby so 
that's where a lot of my time has been. But I'm back, guys. I'm back. My daughter's in a summer program, so I've been running her around. It's just been busy, busy, but I'm back. Fridays and Sundays, I will drop a pod and, you know, pop up when I can pop up for extras. Um, if you guys want to check out this book, if you uh, are into, like, the, the real true crime hood, urban tales, um, this was off the movie Paid in Full, um, you know, Alpo. He's a big topic. Um, I even did the paid him for a recap of the movie and talked about him as well. But I just um, copped a book referred by uh, referred uh, recommended by Gully from Gully TV. Shout out to Jamil. Um, it's called I Never Met, Met Alpo, and it's by Troy Reed, the Godfather of you know urban documentaries. He's one of the first to ever do it. Um, he dropped some monumental documentaries around this paid in full story he had a very close friendship with alpo so i haven't really read it yet i kind of skimmed through it it looks like it's going to be very informative it has never uh seen pictures of alpo in here so i just want to recommend that book to you guys it's 22 dollars off amazon it's um i never met alpo if you guys are into books if you know the urban true crime um also don't forget to uh, cop that some things i've been through a memoir by jamil from gully tv that is on amazon as well that's a really 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 dope read so recommend those two books for you guys you know what i'm saying so yeah we about to enter into the la casa nostra world for a while talking about the mob we're going to talk about mob documentaries we're going to be talking about mob movies and things that happen so the first movie we're going to recap this sunday is going to be the goodfellas one of my all-time favorites out of that world we're going to talk about that but for now we're going to recap this documentary so this part might be a little lengthy because this was a four-part series that's what took me so long to come on because i was going to do one by one and i thought about it i'm like let's just go ahead and do it all to uh do it all at one time because you know when you get to watching something you're like i'd rather just you know do it all so the it's um the first part is mob rule the second part is the godfather tapes and the third part is judgment day sorry three parts not four so we're about to get into it we're about to break it down and we're about to dissect it like we do over here on this platform don't forget if you guys have any requests of anything you want me to recap as well hit your girl up promise y'all i do not mind so on that note let's get into the show Shanice and she's the one. Her name is Shanice and she's the one. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
That's how the doc opened off that hard times by Baby Huey. This was a really, really good documentary. And y'all know how I like to do it. Um, this, this one had a few uh, former mob associates in there. It had Michael Franzese, a few others, but mainly it was law enforcement. So we're definitely going to do another doc recap where we hear other former mob associates talking as well to kind of even it out because I don't just like to hear the law enforcement side. I like to hear, you know, the mob talking about how stuff went down, stories from them. And Michael Franzis has a very, very dope uh, YouTube channel where he talks about a lot. And there's plenty other documentaries out there as well. He was a captain in the um, Colombo family and he was in the documentary as well. But he goes into detail about a lot of different things. So we're going to, you know, so we're going to stay in the mob world into August. So we're going to be doing this from here on out until August 14th until the Power Universe returns. And then we'll start doing our power recaps for, you know, the 10 weeks um, that they're back and then BMF comes back and, you know, the sake continues. So, you know, we, we support everything 50 cent over here. You know what I'm saying? But from now, uh, we're going to take a break from the cartel um, and then go into the mob. And then Narco should return for their final uh, chapter. They're going to do Griselda Blanco uh, probably like in October and November. And y'all know we're going to recap that because, you know, everything cartel related i love to talk about that and we still got so many docs that we haven't talked about with pablo as well but from now um from here on out until august we're going to be discussing everything mob related you know what i'm saying <laughs> so um this documentary had three parts not four my uh, mistake for saying four um the first one is um mob rule i hope you guys watched it this was a really really good documentary um uh it's the description reads as new york runs amic the mob operates with uh ampunity 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 i'm sorry until a little known law and some uh, innovative surveillance tactics give federal agents a leg up my uh, words are twisted what's wrong with me y'all acting like i can't read over here <laughs> so um we see um, early on the doc how it talks about how uh, 1970s New York uh, was something different back then. It was a lawless city plagued by drugs, violence, and murder. We see a lot of the real footage um, from the news in that time of all the murders that were taking place. You see real footage of murder scenes, murder crime scenes, uh, people's bodies. Um, it was just so much going on in the 70s, and that's when... Um, the mob really in the 70s, that's when they really, really rang supreme. So <clears throat> um, we see the director of the FBI um, setting their sights on bringing the mafia down. 
uh, bugging and wiring everything around them. So they were hitting all their homes, social clubs, cars, putting wires in everything around this time. But they had had no luck. So we see um, one guy talks about how his uncle owned a business and borrowed money from the mob and you know how all of the wise guys used to come around and you know collect and if you didn't have the money as a small business owner uh that would cause you to sweat bullets because if you didn't pay you would get your your legs your arms broke your head batted in because the mob was known for batting somebody up and putting them in the desert um, even in a movie, Goodfellas, that we are going to talk about Sunday, one of my favorite mob movies. Uh, <laughs> what did Paulie say? Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> and that was a that was a, a big thing back then. Um, a lot of the people in the neighborhoods who own small businesses, if they you know didn't have it, they would go and you know get a loan from the mob. You know, they looked out for their own, but at the same time, if you didn't have it to pay back, it was fuck you pay me you know you get your legs arms head batted in you know so we see john alight he uh, um he is in the documentary uh he was also affiliated with the Gotti family he has done multiple interviews we're going to talk about him as we go on into the mob series um he was I mean, he was under the real John Gotti, but I think he did a lot of his work for more John Gotti's son when he took over the biz, uh, the, the family after Gotti was locked up. We see Michael Franzese in his documentary, who I was saying before, he was the captain of the Colombo family. He was a businessman, lieutenant, respected. His father was very, very respected, very old school. Sonny Franzese, he did not play. He lived by the mob rules he was the real deal la casa nostra he did not listen he didn't play and he was very respected and michael franzese he got rich you know he ran his stuff like a business and he got rich off of the gas business and i was telling you guys before he has the youtube channel he's changed his life around after he's gotten out of prison but he does very 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 good work um he breaks a lot of stuff down he just did an explosive interview with uh sammy the bull you know who was associated with the um gambino family uh john Gotti's hitman but they just did a really, really explosive interview. Um, if you guys want to recap that, I was meaning to do it months ago. But when they first uh, released the trailer, Patrick, he has he has the Valuetainment channel. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Um, he does a lot of interviews with all type of people from the cartel and the mob. He conducted these two interviews with these guys going head to head. Michael Franzese, you know, he he served his time we know what sammy the bull did so they kind of discussed their differences and you know it got into an explosive argument so we'll definitely have to recap that as well but that is who michael francis is in this uh documentary and his father like i said sonny francis was very respected so um this documentary takes place um in the 70s and 80s it was the golden era of the mob the golden era the mob still exists, but nothing like it did back in the 70s and 80s. So they say the mob had so much uh, dirt over Hoover 
and this is not discussed in the documentary. This is just what I know um, that when he was ready to, you know, go, you know, Hoover was over the uh, FBI when he was ready to break them down and, you know, start investigating them and go after them. They had so much uh, stuff on him from his sexuality preference at the time. You know, this is the 70s and 80s. It's not like today. So they had him doing all type of stuff on tapes because he hung out at certain clubs and they had so much evidence that they um, had that on him to where he had went public and said the mob didn't exist. And that's actually when he decided to go after the Black Panthers. And that's a whole nother story for a whole nother story on how they did the Black Panthers. Um, So, you know, it just basically became a cat and mouse game after he declared the mob didn't exist. And, you know, after that, eventually they did go back after them but when they first started that's why they didn't go so hard on them because hoover was over it and they had all them all that stuff on him you know so we see the five families they're talking about um talking about them throughout this whole doc uh the bonanno family the colombo family the gambino family the uh, genovese family the lucchese family and uh talking about how it was structured you know it was the boss then it was the underboss then it was the captain and the soldiers and in the 70s they were making about a million dollars a month off heroin and coke um you know, a lot of people like to say the mob really wasn't in the drug game like that, but they were. Um, it even says it in the doc. But of course, they did other things as well. Uh, one thing the mob was really big in was the unions. They ran the unions. So, you know, at this time in the 70s, they were untouchable and ran New York. Hell, they damn near built Manhattan. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So we see the director of the FBI um the feds they had a meeting in dc and this took place in the 70s about the mob and because at this time they had been unsuccessful that's when they decided to you know discuss this new law of what could take them down is the rico the rico law changed the game racketeer influence corrupt organization and the rico law has changed it when they were when they the law had been into existence but nobody had ever used it successfully so that's when they brought in uh professor uh robert blackie uh from cornell law school he um worked there from 1973 to 1980 they um had to send all of the federal agents there to go take a class to learn how to use this law properly um they had to go there for class to learn how to basically shut the mob down take out the full organization not just the foot soldiers take out the whole connection because at this time like i said they had been unsuccessful to where of course they did have little informants where they were only get a soldier here and a soldier there no they wanted to take out the whole organization go to the top of the top and that's where the rico law came in so even the the feds didn't even know how to use it properly that's why they had to send them all the classes and you know learn them okay no this is how we're going to take out the whole organization so they divided them up in squads uh, for all five of the families. One squad had the uh, Bonanno family. The other uh, squad had the Colombo family. Then one had the Gambino, one had the Genovese, and one had the Lucchese. They all had their own squad, and then they would meet up and 
put a whole connection because that was the thing to get a Rico in. They had to connect the families to each other. They couldn't just get the Gambinos. They had to do the whole connection. So the Rico definitely changed the game. Um, we see uh, it was the code of silence, the blood oath. Y'all know how the mob talk. A rat is the lowest of the lowest. No rats, you know. Uh, one thing that the mob likes to say is deny, deny, deny. So this is when the bugs came in heavy and they started wire wiretapping everything. I mean, everything the boss's houses the the cars the, the social clubs i mean they wired everything and it was pretty interesting on how they did that as well they started first with the um, most powerful family and that was the gambino family uh they had about 21 captains 300 foot soldiers and over a thousand associates like the gambino family was one of the largest families and at this time paul castellano was the boss at the time this was before Gotti uh became boss Gotti became boss after um castellano but castellano some people looked at him like he was soft um I like the way how Sammy the Bull describes him. And we're definitely going to do a recap of Sammy the Bull did a very, very intriguing interview with um, Patrick from Valuetainment. Where that's one we're definitely going to have to talk about. But he went more into depth because he was around uh, for the murder of Paul Castellano. But Paul Castellano ran the Gambino family like a business. Like he was like the businessman. He wasn't the, the you know, the rougher one who murder 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 he was more he ran it like a real business he was a businessman he presented himself like a businessman he was known as the white collar dime and at this time john Gotti, who everybody loves uh was the captain at the time uh he was no joke um he ran queens and they all were hanging out at like a social club in Queens and they end up wiretapping that as well. Uh, I want to say at one of Gotti's, um, that's how they actually got Gotti. He had uh, one of his social clubs. I think he had an apartment upstairs and they end up wiretapping the apartment and that's how they were able to get him on so much stuff from the wiretapes as well. We see uh, Angelo, one of John Gotti's bodyguards, he uh, had a rep of running his mouth so they uh, placed a bug in his house because from they were had so many informants at this time. They were asking informants like, "Who is one of the wise guys who talks a lot? Who you know has the motor mouth to where we if we put a tape, um, a tap in his home or car where we can get the most information?" So they did that to uh, Angelo, who was a part of the Gambino family and you know John Gotti's uh, bodyguard. He was no joke. He just talked a lot. So they got a bug in his house. So they started getting information from, you know, di different other informants. And they even had undercover agents disguise themselves as people who worked for like phone companies and such. And, you know, that's how they would, it was basically the green light to get in their house. Like they would send a signal to make it look like their phones were acting up or um, TVs were going out then send somebody like an agent there dressed like they work for the phone company and like hey we're having some problems in your area can we come in they let them in they act like they're checking something but long and behold they're putting a wire in and then after they got the wire placed successfully they go and they fix the signal so voila that's the green light they getting they hearing every damn thing you know it was very interesting seeing how they went about getting these wires set, set up you know um 
So they were listening to uh, Angelo Reggio uh, conversations the whole time. And the feds, you know, they took shifts listening to all the tapes to put the puzzle together, you know, because this was just one family and they needed all of them connected. So uh, this is how they were able to get wires in Paul Castellano's home due to Angelo. uh, They had the wires in his home and then they would connect the dots like, okay, well, he's going to meet with Castellano. So it must be a meeting taking place on this day. So that's how they were able to get um, a wire in Paul Castellano's house, who was at the time the boss. So um, every time that Angelo went to a meeting, he would come back running his mouth. <laughs> so that's how they were able to put that together. Um, so they started interrupting Paul Castellano's cable, uh, his TV, and the, uh, make it seem like he was having bad signals for his cable services. They sent an agent out. He was disguised as the cable guy. And they put it in the room where the meetings were held at. And had a damn bug in the television <laughs> so that's they were they were very smooth with it very very smooth with it they had a bug in his tv and you know they had no idea and it was very interesting when they were describing on how they got the wire in Paul Castellano's house when you know he went out there dressed like a, a cable guy one of um Paul Castellano's soldiers were there and the agent was like hey I'm having problems getting this thing fixed on the tv can you hold the flashlight for me so he holding the flashlight up not knowing that this is a damn federal agent putting a bug in the tv and he thinking it's just a cable guy <laughs> so after they got the wire in and were listening, that's when they found out about Paul Castellano having an affair with his maid, Gloria. And this was a really big deal. Even um, Sammy the Bull talked about it on Valuetainment's channel when he was talking about, you know, the demise of Paul. Uh, they talked about this long affair he had with his maid. So one of the um, when they found out that he was having an affair with her, one of the undercover agents, they started meeting with the, the, the maid, Gloria. She didn't know anything, so um, he didn't get any information out of her. And after that, he started antagonizing Paul, sending him a whole bunch of greeting cards, and basically playing a whole game of cat and mouse. Like, the way how these feds were moving in on the mob and playing games with them, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. And when he um, talked, he, the agent was in a documentary and he was talking about how he was sending a whole bunch of greeting cards to him because they had wires. So they knew what was going on in his home. So they would send um, a card like, I hope you get the feeling better, you know, sending well wishes to your family. Happy birthday. You know, like cat and mouse games with the, the agents and the mob. <laughs> And so at this time, you know, this is still the golden era. They controlled the unions. This was the labor unions. This was the truck unions, um, the Teamster unions. The Teamsters was one of the biggest unions at this time, um, one of the best. You know, um, that's the one that our Jimmy Hoffa was over. We definitely, while we're discussing everything mob related, we're going to talk about Jimmy Hoffa as well. <laughs> um, but they ran the union. So if they caught a strike, that would stop 2 million people from working right there. Like, if they'd be like, nope, it's a strike. 2 million people, that's not working. That was a lot, a lot of power. And, you know, they controlled the whole truckers union. Like, the mob was very, very powerful. 
So that's what the first uh, doc was about. It was just the first part of it was just talking about how, you know, setting up the structure on why they went after them, how they started, what made them start to use the RICO case for from being so unsuccessful all of those years and, you know, dividing the families and the squads up. So then we go to uh, part two, and this was the Godfather tapes. I'm gonna read the description on that. Because like I said, it's three parts This um, of this doc. So part two, the description reads, let me pull that back up, guys. As the FBI takes daring steps to wiretap the heads of the five families the new uh the new u.s attorney for the southern district of, of new york joins the fight so it opens and we see our good old boy reagan now y'all know it wouldn't be the damn 80s if we didn't see reagan we talk about reagan a lot <laughs> on this podcast we talk about the drug the drug epidemic the crack epidemic when we talk about the car sales come on now it wouldn't be the 80s if we ain't talk about our boy reagan you know so we got reagan in here i'm just gonna play the damn clip of reagan because you know it's only one reagan child let me try to get this pulled up for you guys <laughs> my fellow citizens i'd like to speak to you tonight about our future about a great historic effort to give the words freedom, fairness, and hope, new meaning and power for every man and woman in America. The early 80s was a golden era of our life, the mob. New York was the seat of power for that life all over America. So we heard Reagan and that was uh, Michael Frenzy's talking at first. And we see uh, one thing about the mob in the 80s in New York is not only did they control the streets, but they controlled corporations, which was the unions. I mean, it's one thing to be a powerful organization where you the street muscle, you controlling what's going on in your neighborhood and the streets. But <laughs> what made them so powerful is they controlled corporations like they damn near built manhattan and you know the unions the transportations um the fishermen's the uh fishermen services the hospitals i mean they were just powerful they had judges in their pockets like it was crazy on how powerful they were um we see um, the Colombo wire. This took place, um, the first wire took place in July of 1982. And uh, the feds got a book put in the restaurant where they met it. So they they met every Friday at the same restaurant and they peeped out um, where they were eating at, what table they always sat at. Because one thing about the mob, they had one restaurant they always went to. They sat at one table. So it was easy to get in there and place a book and they placed it in a lamp over the damn table so they were able to listen to their you know conversations over dinner discussing whatever they were discussing it was crazy and the feds wasn't playing they had to even uh to get in one of their um places where they hung out at they had it was a dog there they had to uh, install a bug and <laughs> it was a dog nina 
who was vicious. They had to finger, uh, they had to fire extinguish the the poor dog, poor Dina. They fire extinguished her, and she went and sat down, and they placed the bug successfully, and walked back out like nothing happened. And when they got back there, they had no idea their dog had you know been extinguished like that. They even had um, an injection they were going to inject inject the dog with at first, but you know they used the fire extinguisher, so that they weren't playing. They was gonna get them wires in no matter what. We see um, some of the wise guys end up locating some of the bugs in time. So they did get they did catch some of them, but you know, of course, not all of them. And then we see the uh, the Lucchese wires. Uh, the boss at the time was an old school, very very old school, which was uh, Tony Duck. Uh, they called him Fat Tony, Tony Duck Corello. Uh, he ran a low profile and he was over the Lucchese family at the time and they ended up getting a bug uh, placed in one of his driver cars who was one of his soldiers but that was um, you know his driver so he was always with them and they got the wire placed in his car they was placing wires every damn where they would even have um, disguised cars like four of them behind when he was driving um just to distract him from the van so you know new york is a very busy city while he's driving it's four cars behind him he's not even knowing that's that's the feds and not only that behind that is the big van and all of it is connected to where they can get the signal and listen listen directly in and get all of the stuff on the wire so you know all you hear on the wire tapes is you know, I'm going to break your fucking balls. <laughs> you know, out of my, out of my talk. <laughs> so they bugged the car, end up, um, and then the car ended up not working because the wire had um, drained down the battery. So when uh, the uh, one of the soldiers for Fat Tony had to call and get the tow truck to pick up the car and see what was going on. They were so nervous that they were going to find a wire. They pulled over the tow truck driver and just so happened his license was suspended. So they took him in just to get to the car, unhooked the wire in time and then had time to put it back in there after that. It was just so much cat and mouse shit going on. Like who would have thought that, you know, you send in your car, you went, you went, you went to organize crime, and then you send in your car to the shop. They put a tow truck driver off just to get the wire off. Like the feds was not playing when they when they said they was gonna bring them down. So by this time, they still getting so much inside information because of the wires everywhere. The recordings that they um that they had got had provided murder information because they had wires everywhere. So it was just a mess. It was just a mess. Um, the Lucchese family, they had um, some of the most members as well. And that's where they was getting a lot of their information from, from the wires, from the Lucchese family. And it had so much information about different murders that had been committed. And then they would go back and look into it and connect all the little dots. So, you know, this was in the 80s. Imagine 2022. You don't even have to do that because them, your Alexa, your phone, that's the damn wire right there. They could pull information from that. But it just shows you that they were not playing. You know what I'm saying? They had them everywhere, everywhere. And the way how they just described when they did that so slick with that man's car, um, you know, arresting the, the tow truck driver, he probably thinking like, oh, shit, you know, just my driver suspended. But it's not even about him. They're going to let him go. This is just so they can get this wire out. And then after he get the car fixed, when they get back there, they follow him somewhere else and get the wire put back in there like nothing happened. Like, damn, that's <laughs> that's crazy, right? 
some of the um bosses especially fat tony fat tony was a trip we're gonna talk about him a little bit more but fat tony they, they were just like the movie the godfather which we definitely will recap as we're doing our mob uh sega you know series at this time um we're definitely gonna do the godfather one and two uh, i wasn't a big fan of godfather three but you know how the godfather was how old school he was like some of the bosses were really like him especially fat tony uh where you know the people in the community they went to them for you know their issues if they were having any problems and he actually helped you know we we said that at first like they would really help out their community they stuck together but if you didn't do your payback or you know follow the rules they you know you know what could happen but you know a lot of people went to fat tony they could be having problems in the community where somebody was bothering them they went to him for help if they were having money didn't have money to pay their rent bills groceries and he would help you know they say he was a very very nice very very you know very very nice man of course you know he was you know in an organization that's something like pablo pablo helped does yeah i know i love me some pablo escobar he helped dozens of people build homes communities you know um but that's what they say about fat tony shows us that in december 12 1984 the two bosses um met for a meeting and this was from the lucchese family and a, a genovese family and the two these are two bosses. This meeting was caught on the recording. And that's when the feds end up finding out they didn't know for sure. But that's when they end up finding out certainly in 84 that, what is this thing called the commission? They keep talking about the commission. What's the commission? And the commission was like an executive board. It controlled the entire organization made from the bosses. And, you know, we will do a talk about how the mob started. The mob has been going on forever. uh, And it started um, back in, you know, Italy, Sicily. But, you know, it started with Lucky Luciano in that chapter. And we'll talk about that as well, especially when we go over the Bugsy Siegel movie. And Bugsy Siegel was the one who basically made Vegas what Vegas is today. But that's way before this. Um, but that that actually is how the commission started. But that's so that's how long it had been going on by the 60s. This is the 80s. So they had heard things, but this is when they knew for a fact after this recording that it was a thing called the commission made from the bosses of the five families, all connected. It made them all connected. And this is what they needed for the RICO. And it was like an executive board of the mob. And that's when they brought in Rudolph Giuliani. The man who fucked up everything. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani, the man who brought down the mob in the 80s. Uh, he was the uh, U.S. attorney and he was in office from 1983 to 1989. Um, he resurfaced where his name got really big again during the pandemic uh, when he uh, was close to uh, Trump. And we see he was an Italian himself. He was an Italian-American. He grew up around, you know, in his neighborhood. And as he was growing up, he hated the mob. Like, he was an Italian, but he hated what they stood for. You know, he was uh, 
He was planning on going straight for the commission. He knew what he wanted. He wanted to take down the whole mob. He hated what they stood for, what they represented Italians for. Uh, He goes on to say, like, on how his family, they worked hard. They had businesses. And it would be people like these guys who would, you know, come in there and extort them or threaten them and take over. So, you know, he had his own agenda. Like, he, he hated the mob. And it was even another FBI agent who was just like the same. She grew up in, she was on the... We're going to talk about his case as well while we're doing our mob marathon. But in John Gotti's case, it was a, a, a female. She was an uh, Italian-American as well. And she grew up in Queens, right in John Gotti's neighborhood. And she got on his case and she worked hard to take him down because she said she hated what they represented for Italians. Like they, their family was straight and narrow and they some of their parents or grandparents or uncles might have owned businesses and might have got roughed up or must you know so they they wanted to take them down and that was his agenda and you know he did it so at this time on the wires they heard they heard the mob and then they end up discovering that it was like an a billion a one billion dollar operation for their business that they were actually building in Manhattan and all the bosses were connected. This is when all of the concrete businesses were going on and all of the big buildings were getting built in Manhattan at this time. That's why I say, hell, they basically built Manhattan because they were over the concrete business and they were over the union. So they were over construction. They basically built Manhattan to what it is today. And this was going to um, the the business that they were building that was going to be this one big one billion dollar operation that they were building for all these buildings was going to bring like over a thousand jobs from these corporations that they were building and <laughs> it was crazy it was crazy that was part two of the Godfather tapes. Um, the last part of this documentary was called Judgment Day, and I'll read the description on that as well. Um, pull it back up. Uh-oh. Sorry, guys. Judgment Day, in order to prove the cons- a conspiracy among the mafia bosses, the FBI tries to tie the commission to a high-profile gangland murder. We're about to talk about that and dissect that. But yeah, when they end up getting on the tapes and seeing... because only thing they needed to bring in a RICO case where they had so much evidence, but they only had like this that they could put on the Gambinos, this is where they could put on the Bananos, this is where they could put on the Columbos. But when they uh, got this discovery of this $1 billion operation that they were building in Manhattan at this time, this is what connected all of the families. So it was the concrete business and the unions that connected them all. That's, that's what they needed to get them on the RICO charge. And boy, did they do it. So um, this opens up and we see, um, we even see a young Donald Trump saying how New York is becoming phenomenal and one of the hottest cities in the world because this is when all of the the buildings were getting built in Manhattan, including his Trump Towers. (laughs) So they were, they were basically building Manhattan. And all of what you see came from the five families, all connected. Um, the mob, especially if you were in a construction company, you were under the mob. And, you know, they always said that 
Donald Trump had some dealings with the mob back in the day. <laughs> That's why I thought it was funny that they had him in the uh, dock as well. So they um, the mob was also very, very affiliated in the boxing world as well. Most of the wise guys used to box. And they had their own boxing rings like in Queens and Brooklyn and stuff. But the mob was... Uh, was very very into the boxing world i want to say even mike tyson one of his trainers um was associated with the mob even i think it was an italian man who kind of was like his mentor even he was associated with the mob as well so they had connections all over (laughs) you know they uh were in the streets and the corporations and the boxing world like i said they said donald trump allegedly had some dealings so who knows so um, we see the Fed started following um, uh, Ralph uh, Scopo. He was the president of the Concrete Union. So he was over the Concrete Union, and they started following him around. He wasn't really, he wasn't really a big guy in the mob, but he was like a wise guy with a lot of influence. So they started following him. They even bugged his car, and uh, because he didn't trust talking into the office that's why they bugged his car like he he would have people from the concrete uh, business come out to his car to meet with him and talk business because they knew at this time wires were everywhere so they they thought it more would be in the offices but no they had his car wired so they were able to get him threatening some of the construction workers um the feds had wires on each of the five families um they started putting all the pieces together after this and then adding it with the um Ralph Capo talks about the union cuz they needed to do it they needed to connect them as the commission and put them like as an organized crime family so that put a bigger hole in it you know put it put the hole even closer together with them tapes as well so that's when they end up finding out that it was eight companies of the construction and it was all connected to the mob. And the code name was the club. Hell, it's safe to say the mob built New York and Vegas. And we definitely going to talk about Vegas when we talk about Bugsy Siegel because if it wasn't for the mob, <laughs> Vegas wouldn't be Vegas. And that's all from Bugsy Siegel. Like, they, you know, even when we're um, going to get into casino, that's when we're going to talk about Bugsy Siegel. Whenever we do our casino recap, we'll do Bugsy Siegel before that. And we'll do that because Bugsy Siegel created Vegas. And the mob shit, they made manhattan new york what it was because they controlled the unions and they were over all the construction and all the concrete uh business where everything all the businesses were getting built up the buildings was so like i said this was a billion dollar operation and it was uh coded as the concrete club and it was eight eight construction companies and each boss had a piece in each so we see um it connected back to um, Cormand Galante's murder. He was one of the bosses of the Bonanno family, and his murder case was, they pulled up his case in the 80s, but it was from six years before that. So it happened in 79, and that's how they were able to put in murder. Like, they had all of the threats and everything going on, but pulling back up his case and being able to go back and look into that and connect that, they could put a murder charge into the RICO as well. So they had to prove... The order came from the commission because he was high up and you are not allowed to kill a high up mob boss without permission from the bosses. And that was a big deal. This is off topic because it's not in this documentary, but that was a big deal with um 
Paul Castellano's murder from the Gambino family because it didn't come from the five bosses, which was crazy. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go there in a minute, but they had to prove the order. So they had to, they pull it back because they had to get murder into the Rico case and they had the concrete businesses. They had, you know, the unions and all of that, but they needed to get murder in there. And this was the one murder that they thought they could go in and connect it. And, you know, they needed something to come from the orders of the bosses. So they pulled up his murder and they end up fingerprinting one of the door handles from the car he was in uh, when the murder took place. And it was a match for one of the wise guys. And they went back and looked at surveillance tape from six years before that. And in fact, it was a meeting that took place the day of Corman Galante's murder. And when the uh, guy got back, they were all giving him hugs and kisses and greets like, you know, his orders, their orders were followed from this murder. So that's how they were able to put it together that this came from the boss's orders uh, between the Bonanno and the Gambino family. Uh, So they saying that, okay, it was two bosses from the Bonanno and the Gambino family, and they're all congratulating this man who was, in fact, there from the surveillance footage, and the fingerprints matched the car, and so that's that's all, that's what they needed. That was the last piece of the puzzle they needed, and then they end up getting uh, the photos of the bosses meeting, and then in 1984, that was the roundup of the arrest of the bosses, the commission of the La Casa Nostra. We see Fat Tony, he's getting arrested, and the press is asking him questions like, you got anything to say, Fat Tony? <laughs> he said, fuck yourself. <laughs> when, I, when they showed the footage of him actually telling them that, I was cracking the hell up. And then we see footage of Paul Castellano, he's leaving the courthouse. And remember, I was just saying that Paul Castellano, he ran the Gambino family like a business. You know, he was now he was nicknamed the White Collar Don. And when he's walking out there asking him, can they, you know, get him on 60 Minutes? And he's like, yeah, of course, you know, set it up with my lawyer. You know, he's being professional, being a businessman. But then you see Fat Tony walking out of court the same day. And they're like, yeah, can we get you on 60 Minutes? He's like, I said, fuck yourself. <laughs> Fat Tony didn't fuck with the press. I ain't mad at him. Look, deny, deny, deny. But anyway, after that, we see um, February 16th, 1985, the death of Paul Castellano took place. And this was um, the beginning of the takeover of the Don, John Gotti. Because, you know, John Gotti, he became the the boss after Castellano's death and that was a very very big deal for one of the bosses to get murdered like that of the largest mob families because the Gambino at this time was one of the largest out of the five families and like I said for him to be a boss you needed permission from the commission and we'll talk more about that when we get into talking about John Gotti. But that was not approved from the bosses, but he still became a boss. So that just shows you the legend of the Don John Gotti, how he became to, because that murder allegedly came off of his orders. And then he became boss. So that was something that was never done. And <clears throat> this um this hit was... I don't know. This hit, they say it was caused for numerous reasons. And we're going to talk about more Paul Castellano because he was a really big deal. And 
um, I've heard from former mob members when I've watched different docs of how they felt about Paul. A lot of people liked him, but then a lot of people thought he was soft. Um, he was against selling drugs. And at this time, Gotti and his crew were doing that. So it's so much around that murder. And I will talk about that, especially when we get into more talking about John Gotti, when we talk about um, his movie, because we're going to be doing mob talk until August. So definitely we're going to talk about um, <clears throat> John Gotti. And we're not going to recap the Gotti movie that John Travolta portrayed him. We're going to do the one from 1996, which Michael Franzese did um, a stamp from his approval because he was he was a captain of the Columbo family. He says that movie is one of the most authentic movies that portray the mob and portray John Gotti. So we're going to recap that and then we'll talk more about Paul Castellano as well. But this kind of, when he was murdered, this kind of hurt the Fed's case a little bit because they had so many wiretapes from his memory. They had his, his kitchen wiretape. So they had so much evidence. This kind of hurt their case a little bit when he was murdered. So during the trial, it was multiple threats on law enforcement, judges, uh, especially Rudy Giuliani. The mob hated him at this time. Yeah, they probably still hate Giuliani because he took them out. He, you know, brought the mob down in the 80s. <clears throat> the commission trial began and they had collected all the wiretapes and they had the jury listening to them and they were afraid that, you know, the jury might get exposed because that was known to happen in the past. And, you know, they had to protect them. Everything had to be very, you know, they weren't letting no names out. Like, this was a very, very intense trial. It was very intense. They were very afraid of one of the jurors getting getting told, you know, and getting threatened or even killed. <clears throat> so they had them on... Uh, they had the wiretaps and on corruption with the union, the concrete businesses, murders, extortion. And then the verdict came out after a very intense trial and it was guilty. And they indicted eight mobsters to 100 years. The RICO law changed the game. And that's where Rudy uh, Giuliani gained his fame from. That's where he gained his fame from. So <clears throat> this was my recap of this documentary. It was very, very good. We are definitely going to be talking about the mob, but y'all know how I like to do, you know, before we got into Snowfall, we did the, some doc recaps. Before we got into BMF, we did documentary recaps. So I love talking about the doc first before we get more into it. And I just thought this one was um, <clears throat> interesting on how they brought down the five families in the 80s. I mean, of course, they did go on a little longer because Gotti took over after that. You know, of course, everything goes on. But this was the golden era of it. And that's when they discovered that, you know, they were even over the constructions companies, the truckers. I mean, it was very, very crazy. But as we're going to be doing this, we're going to be talking about Casino, Goodfellas, all of the, the great movies, Godfather, <clears throat> the John Gotti movie from 1996 that they say uh, was very official. Um, and then we're going to do more documentaries. I want to get into talking about Lucky Luciano as well. So we're going to step away from the cartel world for a moment. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this recap. I have a sleeper for you guys. And then I can play, um, 
hold on i'm gonna pull that up because i left off on that part where i wanted to okay i should have time away from home and all the sweat and tears and it came to fruition this was a culmination of as far as i was concerned everything i had worked for 20 some odd years working organized crime in new york there's one of those thrills of a lifetime i said pat it's like being in a broadway show and the show's over so now what are we gonna do Come to know the face of Rudolph Giuliani, a steady presence in the morning papers and evening news. More than any other U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, Giuliani has sewn himself into the fabric of this city, his most recent mafia busts resulting in death threats. As an Italian-American, I'm not absolutely proud to be the man who helped to destroy it and who led the effort. Rudolph Giuliani has officially jumped into the race for mayor at the place where two other Republicans started their successful campaigns. So it goes to say <clears throat> that was Rudy Giuliani talking as well. And it goes to say on how Rudy Giuliani served as mayor of New York from 1994 to 2001. And he really did clean up New York. I'll give him that. He, he did clean it up. <clears throat> Then it has our boy Michael Franzese, who I told y'all he has changed his life around, and he does a lot of talking about this life. He was the captain of the Colombo family, and in 1986, Michael Franzese was sentenced to 10 years in prison on a RICO charge of racketeering and tax conspiracy. He got rich off of the uh, gas business. <clears throat> John Elite was also in the documentary talking, and in 2006, he was turned state's witness in a RICO trial to avoid a lengthy prison sentence. Now, he, like I said... As we wrap up the series, it's interesting to note that for law enforcement officials, the questions tonight are, who will the next generation of bosses be, and what kind of shadowy crime game will they play? So, of course, the mob went on, but like I said, this was the golden era, and that was like John Gotti was probably one of the last official, official, like John Gotti, he he he, he went in, took, he did his time, he didn't say anything. He probably was one of the last official bosses, and we're definitely going to talk about John Gotti a lot, um, but um, <clears throat> John Elite, he was all through here, and he's done a lot of talks too, but he was more under John Gotti's son. Like, he, he probably was a little guy, of course, putting in work, of course, not taking anything from him. But, you know, I think from what I've took on, it seems like he did more work for young John Gotti, his son, more than John. Like, of course, he was around. He probably was younger then. But it seemed like he more stepped up a lot when um, 
John Gotti was arrested. So we're definitely going to talk about the mob world, but I wanted to do the documentary first. Once again, I would like to apologize. I've been going for almost three weeks, but now I am back and we are back on schedule for uh, pods every Friday and um, Sunday. And by I've been going for a while, I'll be on tomorrow for a bonus episode where we're going to be talking about music. Now, if you guys can just stick with me for a few more minutes, I want to play the trailer for Power because uh, it does return August 14th and i have a sleeper for you guys all right so here is the trailer for power book three raising canaan it returns august 14th and that's when we'll go back to the power universe so from here on out we're gonna do everything mob related la costa nostra style but uh, here is the trailer so you guys know what to look forward to yeah i know i love me some power book three is one of my favorites out of the power universe I cannot wait. Um, so that returns August 14th. And, you know, let's see what our girl Rock got in plans for us. <laughs> I have a sleeper for you guys in my Joe Button style. Shout out to the pod father. Let's keep it old school since we just got done talking about the golden era of the mob. Let's just keep it old school. I'm gonna be your friend, I'm down with you, but until I'm here, I 
with you that's a straight classic banger right there that's one of them songs that just make you just want to pull up a drink and just vibe out <laughs> i miss you guys i'm back i'm back i'm back happy friday by the way it is so much going on in this world right now um just want to tell you guys to keep your head up and keep moving try to stay positive sending you guys positive energy i love you guys thank you for your support i hope you guys enjoyed the show and i will talk to you guys tomorrow i hope you guys have a beautiful and safe weekend and just stay safe and try to enjoy life as best as you can and be the best version of yourself you can be don't be in competition with nobody else don't worry about what nobody else got what god has for you no man can take away from you so just try to stay positive and be the best version of yourself you can be i'll holler at you guys tomorrow we're doing an additional episode we're gonna be talking about some music um and then sunday we're gonna do our goodfellas recap so on that note it's your girl shanice and i'm out Hope you enjoyed the show with your girl, Shanice.